Welcome to Axel Arigato Talks, a podcast which celebrates the power of community and memorable experiences through insightful stories and connects listeners, that would be you, to people who are making seismic waves in their field. I'm your host Tom Pryor and I encourage you to make yourself at home here on the Axel Arigato Talks channel. You'll find new, inspiring conversations uploaded every fortnight and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a beat. On this final episode for season one of Axel Arigato Talks, I'm delighted to be joined by the legendary Jodie Harsh. She's a DJ, a producer and reigning queen of London nightlife who knows how to throw the ultimate party which brings people together. We're going to talk music, her style evolution and how New York influences her life and creative output. Enjoy. Jodie Harsh, welcome to Axel Arigato Talks. Hello, it's good to be here. Oh, it's good to have you. Always a pleasure. Ah, oh, thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, yeah. Just sort of having some downtime at the moment, just chilling a little bit after a mad sort of summer and early autumn, which is really nice. I'm going to go to the studio next week and make some music. So just having some sort of chill time, which is a luxury in this day and age. Yeah, 100%. I want to talk about actually your festival season because obviously summer was back in full force. So I want to get into music, the process behind that, London, New York, and my favourite game of Would You Rather, I've saved at the end. So we're going to get into that. Oh, love that. Okay, cool. So festival season made a real triumphant return this summer. Yeah. And thank God for that. Yeah. How was your summer? What did you get up to? Summer was great. I had a lot of festivals. I was playing a lot of shows. I did a few at the end of last summer. It was great to be back. Basically, that was the general feeling last summer. And then this summer, just gone, it really felt like we are back. We're back in full force, mm. as you said. And tickets were selling out everywhere for every festival. And the crowds were out in full force. And it really just felt like we're back to some level of normality. And it was really, really nice. And I developed this big live show to take to festivals. So it was um, a summer of really bringing that around the country, mm. which was great. I saw a bit of BTS, actually, because you work with Amy Phillips, who everybody yes. loves. Yes. To bring that creative direction to it. Yeah. She's like a really cool New York gal, lives in London now. I've known her for years. I've known her since I was going out in New York City with fake ID when I was 20 years old. And she lives here now and she sort of creative directs as well as doing other things for creative people she kind of helps the process and she's very good at what she does I love working with her she is and she's just such a joy as well she's so cool yeah I saw some BTS because I I saw someone in a green suit with just like the classic Jodie Harsh wig on and it was spinning (laughs) and I thought okay and then when I saw it in its full glory at Greenfields and the various festivals you've done where it's on like a huge huge bloody screen yeah Those screens are actually the biggest LED screens in Europe, I think. What, at Greenfields? Yeah, they're the biggest travelling screens in Europe. So it's quite nice to have your face on those. It's quite funny. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad place to have it. Yeah, I mean, considering two years ago is the summer of just sat at home and not even being allowed to see your friends. Two years later, that. So it was great. Yeah, and jumping on an Instagram Live and trying to keep people engaged. Oh my God, I never want to DJ from my iPhone again on a live. Like that gives me shudders now. I mean, it was necessary at the time. I think people needed a little bit of something, something. But my God, it's such a difference when you're in person. There's nothing like the live moment. There's no feeling like it. And what I do really, aside from the music that I play and the way I dress when I perform, all that kind of stuff, I really feel like my job is bringing people together. It's bringing communities together. Mm. It's sort of facilitating new friendships, new lovers, and just 
good, happy moments, especially after what we've been through in the last couple of years. Mm. And obviously, you know, the country is still in a bit of a crisis at the moment in terms of finances and stuff like that. So I really feel like my job is to bring people together for those moments of escape and pleasure, because we all, we all need that. No matter who you are, you need something that you can, that kind of brings you out of your real life, whether it's a hobby or whether it's nights out or whether it's music or whatever you're interested in. And my job really is to facilitate that for people. So it was a pleasure to do that this summer. Well, I'm sure everybody had a good time from what I saw. I want to talk about the music process as well, because you're signed to a label and you're pushing out songs. I mean, speaking of lockdown a minute ago, my house took the world by storm. And then we had Good Time, which was like my house part two. And it again was just like made everybody stop or start rather dancing. But yeah. <laughs> when you are doing a gig at a festival, yeah. Or even like a fashion party or something. Yeah. Do you go in with some sort of prerequisite? You're like, okay, this is the kind of vibe they want. It's going to be a bit of disco. It's going to be a bit of old school. Or has there been situations where you've gone in and the crowd are completely different from what you expected and you're like, right, let's get through the music? Oh, yes. So I bring absolutely everything with me. I have a vast music collection, obviously, because that's my job. And it's all loaded onto USBs and I bring them all with me. And I will usually know the vibe. I'll, I'll, I'll know how I should be playing for that crowd. I think my job is to educate people with new music, but also entertain them with music that they already know. There's got to be a fine balance. But also you can't play a certain type of music when people want to hear something else and, you know, you can't lose a crowd. You need to keep them there for that moment. So I do go in with a, with a bit of an idea of what I'm going to play. I never plan a set and I am ready with an armory of music if I go in one direction and think, okay, I'm going the wrong direction and I need to pull it back into something else. But we have to think on your feet a lot with DJ, DJ sets. And also be able to swat away people that come up and ask for ABBA. I've done my time of like, now it's like the booth needs to be raised, there needs to be a security guard on the edge. And yeah. I need a fan blowing on me so that I'm not sweating my face up. Oh, trust me, I did 10 years of people wandering into the booth going, can you play blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, I played it three, three tracks ago. Or like, oh, no, I don't have it. And so this is why you've also got dancers right up front because they're basically like secondary security, like don't even try. Totally, yeah. But I'm like, I'm totally down to like hang with people and meet people and stuff. But I think when I'm actually DJing, I have to concentrate quite hard. So if I've got two people a minute coming up and trying to have a chat. And as you said, it's your job. It's like, imagine like someone doing a nine to five at a laptop and just a random coming in and be like, oh, I didn't really like that email actually. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> That's what it's like. I know, I'm just like, leave it with me. Let me do my thing. I'm back here. Yeah. I'm playing the music. You dance and you get into it and mm. you, you have a great time and I'm here making that happen. Just let me do my thing. <laughs> let you do your thing. <laughs> yeah. What was the first club you went to in London? Because you came here, well, you grew up in Canterbury. Yeah. And then you studied at LCF, didn't you? I did, yeah. But even before I, I studied at LCF, I was coming to London on the weekends and going to kind of GAY in heaven Ooh. with fake ID. Very underage. Was it someone else's ID or did you do a little sort of hacking job where you peeled off and... Yeah, I think I just ordered it from some website, I guess. Silk Road. <laughs> I somehow got this like crazy fake ID that looked so fake <laughs> and I just managed to get into clubs looking like an absolute child and I was going out every weekend and so what was some of the highlights from those and how has it changed because you obviously are still in and out of the clubs now I mean you have a club night yourself could feel it and that's just an incredible Friday night absolute event yeah so 
How have you seen it evolve over time? Clubland always changes and venues come and go and it's constantly evolving and that's what keeps it fresh. A lot of ideas are born in Clubland, as we know from all sorts of different nightclub communities. There are trends born, music's born and they keep things moving culturally. So that's the nature of Clubland, like venues will shut and nights will finish and other things will emerge it's always been that way nothing lasts forever but yeah there's been so many changes all the venues that i used to go to have been knocked down now for like Crossrail <laughs> or like things like that like all the old spots have gone so i look back with really fond memories of time spent at places like the cross in king's cross the astoria which is now mm. the elizabeth line at tottenham court road and I look back with such fond memories of those buildings. And yeah, everything's changed. The people that go, because of course, a lot of people grow up and get jobs. (laughs) Not me. I never had a job. (laughs) (laughs) That's the beauty of it, though. I think it's like a living and breathing thing. Of course, there's places that I used to go to, like Georgian Dragon. And God, what were the other ones? Other gay pubs. But it's like, um, it's a living, breathing thing. And obviously, like you're saying, you can look back in fondness or you can look back and resent it. But either way... There's going to be a new place opening soon, hopefully, anyway. I'm not one of those people that are like, we must save this venue, blah, 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 blah. Like things, of course, it's good to protect the really special places as much as we possibly can. But it's always been the way. I'm sure there were pubs in the medieval times that had been there for 50 years and then suddenly shut and, you know, in ye olde tavern when and everyone was like <laughs> up in arms because it's not going to be the same down in that village anymore and it's like well things just have always moved on kept moving so yeah I like it yeah I think I agree with you there are certain venues that people feel sentimental about where I tend to draw the line nowadays is when it's another apartment blog or it's oh uh, yeah this is true you know it's another yeah. hotel where I'm like Christ you know it's like I don't really like it when people start complaining about a venue closing once that's announced and they actually haven't been to that venue for five years they haven't put any money into that promoter or club owner's pocket at all to support the space being open mm. in the last five years of course it's being turned into an apartment block you haven't been for years totally <laughs> you totally. know so it, it does it does piss me off a little bit when I hear people going up in arms about somewhere they didn't even go mm. Moving to a different city, which I know inspires you a lot. Yeah. New York. Oh, love it. Love it. I mean, you were there recently. You went and did the David LaChapelle exhibition little opening. Yeah, DJ'd for that. That was amazing. I had a show in Brooklyn. Yeah. I love New York. I actually hadn't been for three years because of the pandemic, actually. So just got my new visa and off I went. Yeah. Mage. Yeah. Mm. I love New York. So New York has inspired you for a while because, I mean, we've had conversations before about ultimate clubs where the legends went to like paradise Mm. garage and Mm. some other ones so that sort of underground new york culture interests you on like a personal capacity and also obviously a professional capacity because it finds its influence into your music so definitely talk to me about new york yeah i've always been obsessed with new york and the city's underground culture not just clubs but also music and art i'm a big fan of the obvious ones like keith harring and basket and people like that like of course warhol mm. and then music wise of course, i mean everything from madonna to blondie to like contemporary like dance music that comes out of new york and rap music that comes out of there and also many clubs i absolutely love new york club culture as you said paradise garage studio 54 disco 2000 mm. like all these places are the absolute 
obvious ones to go for but and the blueprint in many ways they are they are the blueprint totally so i've always wanted to bring a little bit of that new york flavor over to the uk and i'm i don't think i'd ever live in new york and actually when i was there a few weeks ago by sort of day five or six i was a bit like ready to come back to london now i've sort of plugged in got some energy and i'm sort of Mm. ready to fly back um so i don't think i'd live there hectic place to live okay but nice to visit in an ideal world i'd go there like three to four times a year for like work trips and do some fun things while I'm there and see friends. I've got tons of friends in New York and I just love walking around the streets. It's so, you know, I grew up in Canterbury in Kent. So to be walking through even Times Square, that's a really touristy example, but you know, they meet back mm. in district or whatever you're walking through and just think, hell yeah, I'm in New York, baby. This is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. You know, I grew up watching Sex and the City. Oh, yeah. Do you know what? I've never actually made the effort to go to Carrie Bradshaw's I was apartment, right in the middle you know. of the village. Oh, you just walked past, you probably walked past it without even realizing. Greenwich Village, right? Yeah, it's like right slap bang in the middle of Greenwich Village. It's just like right near the main roads of it. Yeah. God, I feel so bad for the people that live there. Yeah, there's always people outside taking photos. Mm. Um, no, I went to New York recently. I completely agree. I mean, like, I grew up in a small town in Surrey, and it sounds so basic, but just the width of the sidewalks in New yeah. York streets yeah. get me every time. I mean, we, we're obviously in London, so it's a lot more higgledy piggledy sometimes. Yeah, but... I never really thought of that, but now, yeah, now that you say that, you yeah, have the sidewalks fit twenty people across, couldn't they? Yeah, I always think about whether I'm there. So you mentioned some artists that inspire you, mm. like the Blondies and the Madonnas and the rap music of New York and, and others. So what are some of the artists you've worked with recently that have inspired you? And in terms of music, writing? Yeah, yeah. Writing could be in the studio or ones or, I mean, for example, you and I were talking about Azealia Banks's new song that came out the other day, which is Oh incredible. my God, it's so good. Yeah, I've been working a lot with Gracie. Haven't you had her on the podcast? Oh yeah, we love Gracie. Yeah, I've actually got another session with her in a in a few weeks. And also mm-hmm. there's this guy called Miggy, who is on that James Hype track, Ferrari. You know that, can I be honest? Da, 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 oh, da, yeah. Da. yeah, so Miggy and I are working together a lot at the moment. Who else am I working with? I'm working with quite a few people at the moment, yeah. A lot of sort of unknown new people that are coming out that I'm kind of finding... Not really working with big, big pop stars at the moment. I'm going to save that for a little later down the line. Yeah. And which ones are on your list? People who I'd absolutely love to work with. Yeah. Hmm. I really want to go in with m and because we've never done a session together. Who else? Like, absolute goals. Oh, I'd love to do something with Madonna. Like, absolute goals. Love to do a dance record with her. Major. That's like a top goal. Yeah. Um, love to work with Gaga. I think she's fucking cool. She's the best pop star on the planet. I mean, you and I went to the Chromatica Ball. Oh my God, it was so good. um, Oh my God. But there was like 60 foot pyrotechnics and I saw some really funny memes online after because like I wasn't that close to the centre, but when the pyrotechnics hit, you could really feel it. She was really close to them as well. I was thinking like, how's she not getting like her eyebrows burnt off? It can't have been a real meme, but I saw a really funny one, like maybe after her Chicago show or something, where someone had taken a, a slice of plain bread in and held it up when the pyrotechnics went up and then it was toast. That's not real. That's so not real. <laughs> no, that's not real. But that is Part of me wishes it was. Yeah, Part but that's not real. Oh my God. Okay, I love fine. that show. I love Gaga. She's so amazing. Me too. 
And yeah, she's got such a good voice as well. I love her voice. Speaking of the studio, what's what's the process like? As far as I know, you do writing sessions and then build it out and then keep on, you know, keep on tracking on. So, so I'll, I'll always have an idea before I go in. So I'll look through my notes and I've got hundreds and hundreds of individual notes for different sort of concepts and ideas in my phone. So one might be like a song concept or it could be like a me- like a bunch of musical references, like, oh, something like this and this track from the 80s and this and a bass line like this track from disco and blah, blah, blah. So I'll come in with an idea and I'll know what I want to do that day. And if I'm working with another, sometimes it'll be me and another writer and another writer and sometimes another producer as well. Like sometimes it's a bit of a team effort and sometimes it's just me and a singer basically. But I'll tend to come in with my idea and I'll present that idea and go, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking a song about this. I've got some lyrical ideas. I've got some sort of melody ideas. And I'll start building out the track, get some chords down, some piano and stuff and get a bass line down and get some drums in and just kind of create a bit of a groove with some drums. Just something very, very loose. It sounds that will be probably replaced a little later down the line. And is that sort of like setting Sets the foundations? the foundations, exactly. And kind of creates a bit of a pad on which to start building out the song because everything I do has vocals in it so we'll just start building out the song start coming up with a melody building out what would be a hook what would be a verse if there is one and some lyrics and and kind of build it up that way sometimes it's just one phrase sometimes it's a full song yeah and then finish the music a little later down the line or you know keep tinkering away at the music some some tracks sit in a drawer for two three years until they're unearthed what was the song that came out recently and it had been in a drawer for five years? Someone was telling me one of the... Oh, um, I think it was David Guetta, the... Um, blue, da, 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 da. You know, it was just number one a few weeks ago. Oh. They came up with that idea and made the demo for it five years ago. Wow. Wait, because that sample was from a song back in the 90s or the early 2000s, right? Yeah. So they basically... David and whoever else was working on that track and the top liner, they started making that five years ago. Maybe they put it away. Maybe they tried to get it out. Maybe they, you know, in other songs, the labels decided to really go with other songs. And finally it came out five years later and went to number one. And that happens quite a lot. When you hear a single that's released, it's often not just been made eight weeks prior. It's often had a really long life before it's ready to be heard. Oh, for sure. And then let alone once it's been finished, like getting the promotion cycle sorted, that will take months, you know? Especially with major labels, it's... It's like a whole whole load of things to build out. Yeah, I bet. We're going to do Would You Rather, and then we're going to jump back to another few questions. I love Would You Rather. Okay. Right. Jenny Harsh, would you rather have a full-blown moustache for a year or permanently hairy legs for 10 years? I do. I already have permanently hairy legs. Let's go with, let's go with that. <laughs> I wouldn't want a moustache. I don't like hair on my face. No. All right, fair. Would you rather give up your phone... Or only wear Crocs no. for the rest of your life? Yeah, immediately, no. Immediately, I'd no. Have to wear, I'd have to wear Crocs and just like, you know, I'd just have to get on with that. It's for the rest of your life, by the way. However, Balenciaga make ones with a heel now. Yeah, I mean, I need my phone in my hand 24-7. No, your phone's your life. Next one. Oh my God, this one's pretty grim. Would you rather clog the toilet on a first date or first day at a new job? Oh my God. See, that's a goodie. I think it would have to be date maybe oh my god see the thing is here right if you're on a date and you meet me go to a restaurant or a pub or something you know it's someone else's toilet 
So you can just leave it. But first date a new job. It's not really yeah, a good I, Yeah, that's a horrible question to have to think about. I'm not stressed now. It's very stressful. All right. All right. Take a breather. Last one. Would you rather be a mad genius or popular but dim? I would rather be a mad genius. Yeah. No, I don't even know why I had to think about that. I'd rather be a mad genius. Yeah. <laughs> not like Kanye mad, but like I'd rather be a mad genius. Oh my god. I've just had yeah, to unfollow. It's all a bit. Yeah, something's gonna happen, isn't it? I think. Um okay, I love that game. Short and sweet. So I want to talk about style because obviously you have a very recognizable look. I mean, your wig, it must be patented by now, surely. Yeah, it's trademarked. Trademarked, exactly. So I unearthed an interview you did for the Independent, very chic, back in two thousand and nine. Oh my god, right near the beginning. Oh, I've been doing some digging. And you said which is understandable, drag is my work suit. How did it come together initially? Like, was it sort of um, mixing high and low? Was it, all oh, that's good, and just finding it and pulling it together? And how has it evolved since? Because I've seen you recently, and you're going for that sort of like, I mean, very like Balenciaga yeah. vibe, but it's like hoodies and more comfort, and it's like, yeah, how, how has it evolved? Yeah, it has evolved a lot. I've definitely gone through my sparkly dresses and stilettos phases. I've gone through sort of Versace phases, very bling bling. And it's just where I'm at at the time and what I'm kind of, what I'm kind of into. I guess when I was wearing like sparkly dresses and a heel, I'm out all the time. I'm going to lots of parties and it's glamour, glamour, glamour. It's bling, bling, bling. And now, now I'm mainly on stage DJing and I'm making tougher beats and I'm sort of, I don't know, it's just sort of where I'm at and what I'm feeling like how I represent myself. I mean, it's all like RuPaul says, you're born naked and the rest is drag, right? So the hair, I love the hair because A, it suits me and B, it's instantly recognisable and C, I don't need to think about it. I don't need to think what I'm doing with hair. Someone makes it for me. I put it on my head. You know what I'm going to look like before I've walked in the room. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I really like that sort of uniformity. I just really enjoy looking the same. I don't need to be different every time you see me. And it's about the music, really, rather than what I'm looking like. Yeah. And then in terms of style, yeah, I guess there's comfort and it's a bit street at the moment. And I'm in sweaty clubs and I'm in big festivals. And so I guess my style is reflecting that. Do I follow trends? I guess kind of. But there's certain labels that I like for a while. I love Axel Arigato. Oh, love to hear it. I'm sort of more in that direction. And like you said, like Balenciaga and that kind of stuff, rather than... Sparkles. I don't think you follow trends either. I feel like you're aware of them and you're aware of the cyclical nature of them and you dip your toe when you need to, but... Yeah. I honestly don't think about it too much. Mm. Yeah, I'd rather the music do the talking, as cliche as that sounds. It's it's a time thing as well. I'm more concerned with the show, the visuals, the music that I'm making, the music I'm releasing, where I'm going, where I'm playing, how I'm getting people together to hear me play, and how I can get mm. more people to hear the, the music that I'm creating for them. I'm just so much more engaged with that than I am with, like, fashion. Yeah, as a, as a standalone concept. Yes, exactly. But I also love to, I love to be in drag, and I love the transformative process of, of getting into drag, and I love being in a costume slash mask. It's not mask like hiding anything, but everyone loves a fancy dress party, right? And everyone loves a costume ball. <laughs> I don't know, like, people love to dress up, and I'm yeah. lucky enough to do that several times a week for my job and so I really do enjoy that side of what I do. So before we wrap things up tell me what's coming next what can people look forward to? Next up there'll be some shows in London coming very soon around the next single which will be 
very early next year. Between now and Christmas, I have a few shows, but laying a little bit low. But you can hear my podcast, which is called Life of the Party. And that is out everywhere now. Just finishing up season two. That's a good one. Where I talk to people about nightlife and their experiences in it and how it's sort of shaped my guests' lives and inspired them and been part of their life. And you can stream all my music. My latest single was called Shock and it's out everywhere now. (laughs) (laughs) So good to talk to you. Thanks so much for coming on Axel Arigato Talks. I'll see you very soon. Pleasure. See you soon. Bye. Bye.